0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Thought Experiment, episode number two, Player Values in Flux and Running Back Review. I'm Will Ryan, your host, the fantasy philosopher, bringing you the thoughtful approach to fantasy football. Before we get started today, let's give you a quick rundown of the content available from We Know Fantasy. On Tuesdays, we have the Out of the Rough podcast where Lenny and Sean discuss fantasy golf, DFS, and betting. On Wednesday, the We know Fantasy podcast covers the world of the NFL and fantasy football impacts. On Thursday, the Contributors podcast will have various contributors from the Wino Fantasy family discussing current events from fantasy sports. Our articles come out starting on Monday with the waiver Wire wish list, where Nate helps you get your priorities straight for the week's pickups. On Tuesday, we release our streamable defenses to put your matchup over the top. On Tuesday, we also release our QB streamers, finding the best quarterback matchups with players that may be available in your leagues. And on Saturday, the B team is released, creating a roster of players that are less than 40% owned with the goal of hitting 100 PPR points on the week. I'm joined today by one of my favorite guests, definitely the best in the history of this podcast, Billy Kelly, the running back Wrangler. He's a participant in the Scott Fish Bowl XI and donor to several of my dynasty leagues, and, and Billy, don't check the receipts on that. Just, uh, <laughs> just know you're you're donating there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm definitely gonna go do a tally after this. I'll I'll get back to you probably tonight because I'm definitely invested. I'll let you know. Um, no, thanks for having me. It's um definitely cool to, to finally get in the mic and talk. Um, glad I'm your favorite guest. But for anyone listening, I am on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Will kell 39 trying to post more but i'm really kind of just there to just you know, support the community just follow you back i want to consume what you're putting out there just i think it's a great community to support each other stuff cool
0: thanks awesome yeah thanks for coming on uh really appreciate it uh for those who have not been around billy uh just to give you a little bit of background this is one of the uh, the few folks out there that i actually fear in a draft um he frequently Comes out with a, a stronger team than I do during our startups, which um, just give give the listeners an idea. How, how many did we do this year? So
1: yeah, I, think, I think we were we were in three together coming into this year. I think we did seven.
0: Okay, this year. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're pretty uh, involved here in in the startup values. Uh, we've got a good sense of where players are falling right now. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, in those seven, I'm pretty sure you outdrafted me in almost all of them. Uh, definitely in the short term. And uh, I'm just hoping I I hit on some of my guys that I'm trying to get some value increases from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just as we were talking about before, uh, we'll see how things pan out in the next three years. But I think it's uh, definitely two different approaches to the game. I didn't take the same approach in all seven of the drafts. I tried to mix it up a little bit. But, you know, give it two, three years, we'll see kind of how we're faring. I definitely have an expectation that a couple of your guys are going to hit in a big way, <laughs> same way like like he landed, right? I'm pretty sure you were pretty hot high, high on them last year.
0: That I was. At a ton of yep. shares, yeah, and it's it's paying it, it off dividends right now. So, absolutely. So, um, week one in the books now. Uh, hopefully, you had a, a good uh, result here in the first week of the fantasy season. But aside from that being a long, long off-season with tons of analysis going on. I know you've got tons of spreadsheets going on in the background. I want to give you an opportunity here to take a couple victory laps, but before you do that, I need to know what is your worst miss so far?
1: There's a lot of ways I can look at this, but I think I'm going to cater to the host of the podcast, if you will. I think my biggest miss is TJ Hawkinson. And it's not that I was out on TJ Hawkinson, I think it was just my level of bullishness. Looking in redraft, I have him sitting at item six. I'm going to get kicked off the podcast for saying that.
0: I, I'm disappointed. I will yeah, leave it at
1: saw, that. <laughs> saw the target volume. That's clear and obvious, right? He's the output in that offense. They're going to funnel with, with him, with DeAndre Swift. That was a given but I just didn't know how effective the offense could have been. They're going to look for Hawk early in often, and he just is. He is a lead. He will always put up numbers. Absolutely the most dangerous red zone threat for this team. So I, I'm i picking myself for the tight end six. I actually think he's going to be closer to the top three than he will to the rest of the crowd. He's absolutely being adjusted as my tight end four. I you know I'm, that may come across as like kind of like a hot take or like a like a quick reaction and you know, stick with your your feeling right but i think sometimes you have to be agile here and you, you gotta you gotta adjust i would absolutely acquire tj hawkinson anywhere you can if
0: possible uh and just to double check is that tight end for dynasty or tight end for redraft
1: so that's tight end for redraft
0: okay sure. Cause, uh, for and, and i will throw this out <laughs> yeah go go ahead i want to hear where you, where you got in there <laughs>
1: And so I'm still part of the shrinking by the day. Um, Travis Kelsey, tight end one crowd. I just think the productivity you get from him, we play in a lot of tight end plus leagues. I think he's just, he stands alone. Um, You can argue TJ Hawkinson number two, really. I'm going to take Kittle at two but I'm going to throw TJ Hawkinson at number three there. I'm going to take him above Darren Waller because of the age, but I don't think it's too far apart between Hawk and Waller. It's a
0: close okay. three and four. I'll, I won't i will be too offended by that. But all right, I, I will give you credit for that. Um, taking the L on that one. Um, and, and just before we move on, I, I will throw out to the, uh, the audience here, I do have TJ Hawkinson as the Dynasty tight end one that may be a hot take for some but uh his path to ascendancy is here as billy said he's the alpha in this offense and he is so much younger than everyone else that's in contention um i just i see him getting to that level of production here in the next year or two and staying there for longer so all right you you have earned it sir uh take your victory laps what would you get right what's your best call
1: I think my single thing that if I were to kind of like look at it, and again, this is a very small sample size. This isn't entirely based off a neutral game script. i love to see a couple more games from the Indianapolis Colts, but as much as you're a TJ Hawkinson truther, I'm a Jonathan Taylor truther. You'll hear me talk about him today. That's my guy. Um, I've been very bullish despite the departure of Phillip Rivers. And very bullish about his potential target there in this offense. So a lot of doubt with Naheem Hines. Soaks up a lot of targets, he does, and he's on the field a lot. But I've been of the mindset they're going to use Naheem Hines more so as their wide receiver. He's their possession wide receiver, really, I and mean, he plays out of the backfield. But Johnson Taylor is going to get his in the receiving game. You know, I once I sat everything out way back in May, I, I kind of looked at his target total. And I, I, I felt right. Like I, I just, I don't think sixty-plus targets is outside of the range of possibilities here for Jonathan Taylor. And if we see that sort of target volume for him, he's efficient. Touchdowns are going to come. He should be very high in. Fingers crossed for that offensive line. They continue to gel. They continue to get healthy. We could have like top three, top four running back on our hands here.
0: Week one in the books, uh, we do have some unfortunate news and notes to go through. We've got some fairly high-level players uh, injured, going to be out for a little while here. Um, let's, let's just go through, talk about it, and uh, let's see, you know, how, what does this do to the fantasy landscape? So, uh, for me, the big one, uh, out of Denver, Jerry Judy, gruesome, <laughs> gruesome looking ankle injury um, turns out to only be a high ankle sprain um, which is odd to be saying only that's usually the one that people want to avoid but this one looked like it could have been a lot worse after seeing it i think uh noah fant definitely seemed to be the number one target for teddy um, they, they liked that tight end matchup um, i don't think that's just going to be matchup dependent i think fant is going to be the biggest m- mismatch that they have at this point um Cortland Sutton slides into their wide receiver one position. Didn't look great uh, in week one. I do think he's still coming back a little bit from his injury. Um, I expect he'll get there over the course of the season, but I I don't think I'm expecting huge things out of Cortland Sutton here, weeks two and three, Um, but he'll, he'll build his role. And then we did get to see Tim Patrick last year. I think he's going to just soak that role back up, move up into the, you know, high teens, target share, be a productive wide receiver. Um, if you need someone, you can plug him in. Uh, and then keep an eye on K.J. Hamler, because they like taking deep shots to him, uh, and he definitely has the speed to take the top off the defense. All right, so the the next injury we've got, Michael Gallup has a calf strain, wide receiver out of Dallas. Sounds like he's going to be out about three to five weeks. Um, basically, all, all I think this really does is it's going to solidify Cooper and Lamb as their their top dogs. Um, Cedric Wilson will slide in. Um, I saw a quick note from their offensive coordinator. It sounds like Cedric Wilson is kind of their utility receiver, um, kind of backing up all of the positions. So he'll slide into that Gallup role. I don't expect him to be as efficient as Gallup. Um, so I do think a little bit of what Gallup would have done is going to slide over to Amari and, and Lamb. But Cedric Wilson, you know, kind of same idea as Tim Patrick. If you really need someone He might be your guy, but, Billy, you you got anyone else that's impacted here?
1: No, I'm entirely aligned. What I will call out is the potential target share to the tight end room, and maybe it's a little bonus here. Um, Added target share to the running back room. Very interested to see how things unfold with Zeke's target share, Um, but Tony Pollard could continue to get design plays exciting look for tony pollard owners i'm not sure if he's yet someone that you could start on a weekly basis but you know you may see some more design plays for tony pollard but i expect the uh, the tight end rooms target there to increase it's just figuring out who's the guy i think don't. you're going to split it
0: don't tease me <laughs> you, you can't bring up design plays for tony <laughs> like Pollard garbage. like that, oh, you, gotta, that yeah. you gotta give the trigger warning there
1: all right next time i'll i'll remember <laughs>
0: Then in Cleveland we had a uh, a little bit of a surprise. Odell Beckham Jr was a surprise inactive. Um he is still recovering from his ACL. We're not sure exactly when that's going to be. He's already been ruled out for week 2. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out what to think about this. Um I think it does limit Baker Mayfield's upside a little bit. Uh, the interesting thing that happened in week 1, we saw rookie Anthony Schwartz um kind of got a bunch of deep shots. Um However, it was Donovan Peoples-Jones who actually got more snaps and roots. Um, so, I actually have a poll up on Twitter right now, trying to figure out where the community's at in terms of Schwartz versus DPJ. Um, I'll be really curious to see where that falls. But uh, I think if you can correctly read the crystal ball, there, uh, there's definitely some value here in the the coming weeks and you know, potentially into next year. And, and you know, once they start getting out, out of the contracts of Jarvis Landry and, and OBJ, I think they may have some replacements here.
1: Totally agree. Um, Anthony Schwartz was one of the uh, selections this, this spring, I guess, right? This is spring. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> this is spring. That kind of surprised me. He was on my radar. Uh, radar as kind of like a deep flyer that could be a deep threat. Someone that went to, like, Kansas City. We could see, you know— him shake up the wide receiver room there, maybe make an impact as wide receiver three. Didn't love the landing spot of Cleveland just based off of the passing volume. Um, I honestly had him just written out of my game plan this year. I had been increasing steadily on Donovan Peoples Jones as we came into the year. And best ball, again, my best ball share of DPJ skyrocketed in the month of August. A little disappointing to see that he wasn't involved as much, but it's definitely endearing that he was on the field for more snaps than Schwartz was, and that he ran more routes. It could just be a blip on the radar for week one in terms of Schwartz's target there. Going to keep an eye out. That's one of my things to watch for the coming weeks, especially if Odell misses extended time. Uh, he's going to be out for week two. We'll see about week three. Yep,
0: Absolutely. Another injury we've got, uh, we still have Saquon Barkley recovering from his ACL. Um, He did play in week one. He got a limited workload, which was, unfortunately for his uh, (laughs) the teams that roster him, very limited. Um, In this, Billy, do you have anyone that benefits here? Uh, I I think, from my perspective, it's all negative for everyone around.
1: You got it. There's there's no... um, This is a... Absolute negative for everyone. For the Giants, the the most recent beat that I saw said that they're not ready to unleash him this week against Washington on Thursday night. Um, they'll have some time to rest between week two and week three, which is endearing. I just I don't know that they're going to be ready to quote unquote unleash him in week three. It could just continue to just snowball. Um, definitely worth a look as a buy candidate. Especially if you're really not competing this year, and then you just see a manager getting frustrated about the fact, the fact that Saquon's putting up less than 10 points each week. I would keep my eye open.
0: So I'm actually going to throw the next two over to you. Uh sure. the, the first first one's going to be Raheem Mostert with his knee injury. Uh, at first we thought it was uh, going to be several weeks, and now we're finding out it's season-ending. So uh, what what are you doing here?
1: Yeah, it's I I feel so terrible for Raheem Mostert um he's had just such an unbelievable opportunity and he is so talented it's just so unfortunate that he's been able to not stay on the field really um Kyle Shanahan has built this offense to cater to Raheem Mostert I don't mean that by saying he's the focal point of this offense but he has players that he has in place and he like if you look for, for players that are depth on this offense, he tries to, to replicate similar prospect profiles Absolutely. He has a yeah. system.
0: Yeah, he it's the, wanna, the running back archetype that he looks for.
1: Correct. Right. He doesn't want to plug wear plugs into circle hole. One of his running back archetypes is Raheem Mostert. He needs that guy. He he wants to take the edge off the defense. He wants to wear them down and then hit home runs with a Raheem Mostert. Now, again, I I feel terribly that that he's hurt, but I think this is an opportunity for Eliza Mitchell. This is a very similar prospect profile. The team likes him. Um, I saw somewhere on Twitter, someone mentioned the fact that maybe they traded up for Trey Thurman, not to be the guy, but to be the replacement for the Jeff Wilson archetype, knowing that they were almost certainly going to be able to secure elijah mitchell later in the draft i I thought that was was pretty brilliant because that's kind of where we are right now they like the player i think they intentionally drafted him
0: yeah i mean i i think we've definitely seen some intent behind what they've done with him um i i'm going to put you on the spot here though is it is it elijah mitchell or is it trey sermon if you can only have one and you have the opportunity for both for one one or the other which one are you taking i'm going to take trey sermon okay
1: so I like, <laughs> I like i like put it down you write it in ink i like volume and i think volume in this offense has paid off i i would rather have trey sermon i mean if they eventually let jeff wilson walk they're committed to trey sermon Unless you know we see this trend continue where he's inactive or he's just sitting on the bench as a reserve but even just considering all that happened last week, I would still take Trey Sermon over Elijah Mitchell.
0: Let, let me just, add, have you heard anything from the beat writers? Did, did Shanahan know whether Trey Sermon was alive at game time? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I think that's why he was inactive. I mean, that, that, that seems to me like the did. reason right there. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the only explainable reason. So I, I'm going to need you to cover this next one too. While I'm, I'm busy wiping up the, uh, the tears from crying over Raheem Mostert. Um, so what are you doing with uh, the, the Ravens yeah. running back room at this point? Um, the, the issues there have been, uh, detailed over the last few weeks. Uh, they're, they're down three running backs already. So, you know, how are you approaching it?
1: Right. Um, so coming into the season, it was it was Tyson Williams. Um, I had, had a very strong feeling they were going to pursue Latavius Murray. That came to fruition. Uh, we saw that unfold on Monday night. I personally don't think Latavius Murray looked very good. Uh, Tyson Williams looked like the superior runner. He made mistakes. But coming off that game, there was a very strange trend I saw where Tyson played Majority of the snaps in the first half, and they started to dial back his usage. This week, we just got a notification, I believe, uh, on Wednesday today, this is when we're recording. Um, and Harbaugh said they're going to get all of the running backs involved. This, to me, is a very big red flag. So I do think they're going to involve all the running backs. It may not be to the extent where you just see like a constant rotation, but Lev Bell's going to get involved. Uh, we saw four targets to Tyson Williams early in the game. Think in passing down, is going to be the back there. Um, Latavius is going to be involved. Tyson's going to be involved. Possibly. They might carry a fourth running back on Sunday. Vonta Freeman might be involved. If that's the case, get out of this backfield. You don't want any part of it. If you're able to sell Tyson Williams, do it.
0: I well, hey, uh, let me jump yeah, in here. You you do want a you want a piece of this backfield, but the piece you want is Lamar Jackson. 100%.
1: Absolutely. Always has been.
0: Yeah. Um so let let me ask you here. Um you you mentioned the possibility of carrying four backs on game day. If that's the case, I know they just had uh what was it? Trenton Cannon claimed uh off their practice squad now. Um <laughs> I, I would think they're going to need someone who's going to play special teams, uh, as I think most teams do. Um, do you see any of these uh, veterans doing that? Or, I mean, are they going to have to rely on receiver depth to do that?
1: That's a, that's a fantastic call out. Um, I would say is they probably have to bring in someone else. Okay. And then yeah, I... <laughs> decide who of this group
0: is the weakest link. Yeah, that that's kind of exactly where I'm at. Is I I was kind of expecting them to try and keep Trenton Cannon, um, essentially for that role, right? But uh, you know, obviously San Francisco claimed him, and uh, now the Ravens are gonna have to figure something out for special teams. But I think the last note I've got here is uh, Demarcus Lawrence just broke his foot today in practice. Um, so he's he's on the D line down in Dallas. Um, sounds like they're having some more issue concerns this year. So. Uh, We don't have a time frame on this yet, um, and the only notes I've really got from this are that I'm expecting kind of a a slight upgrade for both the Dallas offense and their opponents, um, from from a fantasy perspective, of course. Um, We're just looking at, you know, he's their best defensive lineman, so they're going to get less pressure. Games should be higher scoring. Um, That's kind of all I've got there. Yep, I'm
1: I'm aligned there. Um, They're they're having some some top walks down there.
0: Um, and just to get a quick heads up, who's the uh, the next cowboy that you're going to be using a voodoo doll on as a giant? <laughs> I assume you have something to do with this.
1: Um, can't say. <laughs> All
0: right. Keeping it close to the vest. That's right. So that, that's our news and notes. Um, we do want to go back and now uh, talk a little bit about week one in review. So talk through each game. Just give a, a quick one kind of... T- takeaway of, you know, what was the biggest thing that you saw as you were watching this game? So um, I will go ahead and start with Dallas and Tampa Bay. Um, My, my biggest thing there is Dak is back. Billy, you know, my affinity for Dak. I was taking him yeah. early last year. I have, I think what, what was my quote earlier this year? Dak at four. It was Dak at four. Yeah. I Dak at four not. in super flex <laughs> startups. So right. um, yeah, he's back. He looks great. Ankle doesn't seem to be an issue. So firing on all cylinders there.
1: Were you concerned at all about his mobility?
0: Uh, I had some concerns coming into the season. I'm not going to lie. I was not at all concerned about the shoulder. Um, You know, everything I was hearing there, they were treating it the way that they should have been. It was precautionary. Um, But yes, I I was a little bit worried about the ankle. Uh, I didn't know whether he would be running right away. Um, but he looked good, and I mean, even if he dials back his rushes a little bit, uh, with the offense the way that they've built it, and with Kellen Moore calling plays, I- I'm loving it. Maybe it should have been Dak at three. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see next year.
1: All right, wh- what do you got for the next game? All right, the next game is fully in Atlanta. There's this one was a little tough for me to narrow down to one top takeaway, but the top takeaway I think is Jalen Hurts and the progression that we've seen year over year with him. I think they've done a great job setting him up for success. They brought down his dot. He was throwing a lot of passes close to the line of scrimmage. I think the addition of Devonta Smith is huge there. Uh, and he's got a couple tight ends he can rely on pretty heavily. Also, Kenny Gainwell, absolutely significant contributor in that offense moving forward. I think he's going to have a stellar year if Sunday was – it it was it was definitely a great outing for him. So
0: Jalen hurts. Absolutely. I I will say on uh, on Gainwell there, that is the exact situation and one of very, very few where I am actually rooting for players to stay out of the end zone. Because, um, yeah, he looked good and if he had not scored that touchdown, I would have felt a lot better about being able to buy him low. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah Pitt uh Pit Buffalo was that was that was an interesting game for me. Um, my biggest takeaway—I'm gonna cheat and use two. Um, Pitts' defense is back. They looked good. T.J. Watt—they got—they got the deal done with him. Um, and yeah, he, he showed why. He was—he's a dominant force on the D line. Uh, they had the—what was it—the the blocked punt, I think, for the touchdown. And then the—the uh, the other big takeaway from that game is the, the Najee Harris workload. Um we all knew he was gonna be the workhorse, but we did not know he would be on the field one hundred percent of the time.
1: Yeah, not we didn't see a single snap from Benny Smell. We didn't see a, a single snap from oh my goodness, who is who's the third active back?
0: Uh, I don't even know. I'm waiting for McFarland to get back.
1: <laughs> right. I think that's we'll talk more about Najee later, but I think what it kind of comes down to is that McFarland will be a little bit involved. I still think
0: this is Ozzie backfield exclusively. Awesome. So uh, then we had Minnesota and Cincinnati. What What do you got from that? Oh, man, it's too it's much. It, it, like, I can get my words out. I'm so
1: excited. Um, he's he's the alpha in this offense. He He did not have any of the drop issues that he had in the preseason. He just looked fantastic. That the, the long touchdown was just possibly confirmation bias, but just, it, it just hopefully disgusts all of the doubters who had any issues with him separating.
0: He okay. was legitimate. I, I got to ask about that. Yeah, sure. Have you seen the, uh, I think it was LSU, one of their accounts tweeted out the uh, the Deja Vu tweet?
1: No, I haven't
0: seen that. Oh, you gotta search that. It's a mashup of a an LSU play and that deep ball in his first game, and it it's just it's the exact same play, just going back and forth between college and pros. Like, looks familiar.
1: Love it, love it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 super excited for him. I do have a lot of Jamar Chase
1: in dynasty. Uh, I don't even think we're gonna wait for this to pay dividends. I think it's gonna happen now. So.
0: That was fantastic. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. Then San Francisco and Detroit, um, probably a much closer game than people really were expecting. My biggest takeaway there for me, it was DeAndre Swift's role. Um, I had questions with some of these sophomore backs about what their, what their role would be this year. Um, DeAndre Swift answered those questions. He is going to smash. He's got a great share of the rushing work. Uh, he's got a huge target share. The really, really valuable touches for running back. Um, I don't even care that he's got Jamal Williams there, kind of doing the same same type of stuff as him. That they're I don't even know what their split is, like sixty forty something like that. But no. w- with Swift's role, it, it he's go go get him.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I'm just pulling up a quick tweet I have. Uh, on Sunday, DeAndre Swift was in the game for sixty eight percent of the snaps. Mo Williams was in for 36% of his math. There we go.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, it, that's it, it, substantial, yeah. but, I mean, I'm not worried about it.
1: No. I, I mean, especially in today's NFL, that's entirely common. Um, and just their passing game involvement, their floor is, those, both of them, their floor is very secure for their acquisition costs. And even if we see some improvement in the offense here, their ceiling will just continue to climb i excited for for but most importantly, DeAndre Swift.
0: So, okay, what did you take away from the Arizona Cardinals and the Titans? What what did you see there?
1: Ah, oh, man, this one uh, this one kind of hits close to home. Um, I have a ton of exposure to Tennessee Titans. I think on every team I have, whether it's redraft dynasty, best ball, I have some Tennessee Titans. That offense just looked like it was missing something. I think that something it was missing was Arthur Smith. And maybe it's a little premature to say that because we didn't see him really shift Atlanta's offense to be that forceful, dominant, play-action-style offense. But it it, it, it just looked like there was something missing. The offensive line was, was just absolutely a disaster. Brian Tannehill was under duress constantly. And there was just no threat of the big play. Teams just were able to just niff out every look. Um, I'm very concerned about Todd Downing. Um, and also, kind of as, as a little, like, sad note, I'm, I'm lightly concerned about Julio Jones. Um, I think we need to see a bigger sample, but I'm definitely terrified of Tennessee.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I I forget what the uh, the exact number was, but I did see someone call out that uh, I think it was about I think it was 11% play action, and uh, I think last year it, under Arthur Smith it was about three times that. So it's a big deal. Those are the uh, yeah. the money shots. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw this next one to you because uh, I, I think I know where you're going. Uh,
1: Seattle <laughs> oh, Seahawks
0: versus uh, the Indianapolis Colts. What do you got? Right.
1: Oh, God, it's Jonathan Taylor. And I did not come up with this takeaway. This was not my takeaway. I agree with it. It's it's honestly the big piece of the puzzle is the running back role, the involvement in the passing game, and just the the propensity to run. I think both Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor are absolute deals. Where you got them? If this continues, they both can repeat as top 20 options again.
0: So the uh, the Chargers and the uh, ooh, I was about I was about to say it wrong. The Washington Football Team caught myself. Uh, My biggest takeaway there, I'm again I'm gonna cheat. I would say it was uh, the protection that the Chargers had. Um, Herbert was not under duress nearly as much as he was last year um I think we we kind of we finally got to see what he looks like when he's protected right. and actually plant and throw um I, I had some concerns coming into the year about that because I know he got hit a lot last year right but uh it, it looked a lot better in week one hopefully that continues um, and doing it against Washington is it's a big deal the the other thing that I'm going to take away is Antonio Gibson's role we, we've talked about DeAndre Swift. We've talked about Jonathan Taylor. Antonio Gibson's role was just as impressive. Um, There were questions about whether J.D. McKissick was going to still have that receiving back role. And, I mean, it it was Gibson dominating the rushing and getting, I think it was above 20% target share. Um, Yeah, it's, again, just go get these guys. You don't even need any more explanation.
1: No. I actually saw a, a tweet just this evening um, someone tweeted out that Antonio Gibson had the highest percentage of opportunities per snap at the running back position this past weekend. Higher than Christian McCaffrey, higher than Jonathan Taylor. It was Gibson. It was close to 70% per snap. That's yeah. incredible. Good it, Lord.
0: Give me a second. I, I need to wipe the drool off the corner of my mouth.
1: <laughs> That's Fine. Take your time. It's, Really, like it blew me away. He absolutely going to smash at his value, just like Johnson Taylor.
0: Yeah, so the, this next one, the uh, what do we Jets and Carolina. What would you take away from this one? Corey Davis.
1: This game kind of is a little difficult to watch at times. The Jets did not look great. Uh, Corey Davis could absolutely blow away expectations. There were points in time this summer where he was going in the team. Yeah. Like 11, 12. Anybody who got him there is going to be so thrilled because you're getting a player that you could put in your wide receiver two position. You could put in your flex position and you have a weekly advantage. I'm, I'm excited about Corey Davis.
0: Yeah. I'm disappointed. I know we, we talked, I I definitely thought there would be more of an even split with Elijah Moore there. Um, But you're right. It, it was Corey Davis. He right. he dominated targets uh so I'll I'll take the L on that one. Uh so moving on to oh Jacksonville and Houston. <laughs> uh, I mean the only thing you could take away is questioning how bad God. is Urban Meyer. Um I mean you you just can't come in and lose to Houston like that. It it just wasn't even a competitive game. I I I have nothing else to say.
1: <laughs> I, I while well, I was just Watching rewatching the games, I wrote down in my, my notepad, Jacksonville is the worst team in the NFL. Ugh. Yeah, I it, don't
0: know it's how.
1: unfortunate. But- it really is. I didn't think that we'd get to this point with Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's off his first start in the NFL, but that was a very sad display. They really made one of the worst teams on paper. I, I've seen in, in probably the last five years. Look like one of the best offenses in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's a team, Houston, with uh, their one like star player. I mean, they they literally have one is inactive. I mean, that's right. They, they're talking about trying to trade Deshaun Watson, but you know they need what they say three firsts they're looking for. Um, so he's just gonna sit on the bench until they can get that, and uh, they still it they. Just blew the doors off Jacksonville. Oh, okay. Here's a good one: Cleveland and Kansas City.
1: Yeah, this we were talking about this game a little little bit before we jumped on. Um, this game kind of like I don't want to say that it was predictable, but it was well within the range of potential outcomes. That Cleveland team is impressive, really. That's you want to talk about Houston being one of the worst rosters on paper. Cleveland is one of the best. In the entire NFL, and that's crazy to say about a team that's just been so bad for so long. But they're good. Um, I think they're so well coached, too. Really, even beyond just Stefanski's offensive team, this is a good team. Um, I saw a lot of people calling out that Cleveland was going to win this game. And when I saw them run away with it, it, it didn't really stop me. Um Of course, Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes, but. The big takeaway here, I think, is the Kansas City receiving game. A lot of people bought into McCall Hardman in this off season. I just don't think that fourth skill player on Kansas City is relevant. We saw a couple blow up games from Sammy Watkins last year. You saw a couple blips from Hardman. That's all we're gonna get. If yeah. you're able to to get like you know Byron Pringle in one of your last rounds in best ball, fantastic. Maybe he'll give you a a touchdown. 80, 90 yard game, and and, and he'll, he'll pop up in your starting lineup. But I'm concerned with Michael Hargan, where people got him in a lot of formats. He was kind of expensive. Uh, you know, marketing back to best ball one more time, a couple best ball drafts I was in where he was going to the seventh or eighth round. Like that's that's tough. I I just I don't see it past the relevancy. Will have some blow up weeks, but I just I, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him in my starting lineup.
0: So, the uh, the big takeaway from the next game is, uh, so Miami and New England, uh, I was shocked to see that Damian Harris can catch passes. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was told that that was a James White thing. Right. Um, like, if he's actually going to get some targets and, and catch passes, Damian Harris will be a league winner. Um, he looks good running the ball. Uh, the offense looks pretty good with Mac Jones. Um in the preseason, I mean, he was just moving the ball at will. Granted, typically against uh, non-starters, but, I mean, that's even impressive for rookie QBs. Like, you don't typically see that type of production in the preseason. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I'm hoping it was not just a blip, but that's definitely something I'm keeping my eye on. Um, Same. <laughs> this next one, Green Bay and New Orleans. <laughs> You got anything here?
1: <laughs> um, I gotta, I gotta just call out the note on, on the show deck. Good Jameis, bad Aaron. I think that's a great. Uh, just, I'm not sure I need to speak more to that. This, I don't have numbers around this, but someone called out today on on, on the the Twitter machine that historically, almost every single game that Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers has had a down game. The next game, he has come back with Fiore and lights it up. Throw that game away. Yeah, for I'm Green with Bay. you. They, Throw uh, it away for Green Bay.
0: This this is definitely another situation where I, I hope Aaron is going on and uh, spelling out relax for us. Um, yeah, agreed.
1: What do you think about New Orleans, though? Do you think this is a throwaway game for New Orleans?
0: No. I mean, you, yeah. you don't beat a good team that badly yeah. without being really, really good. Um, yeah. I mean, they obviously got put in good spots, so I think it was more lopsided than it needed to be. But, I mean, I'm definitely – I'm thinking back to last year when, I mean, what it was New Orleans and uh, Tampa Bay that everyone was looking at coming out of the NFC. So, right. I mean, I, I think we're right back there.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, Incredible with all that quarterback controversy that it almost appears to get – resolved yeah after one game but I don't think this is just an offensive linging the ball you know Jameis is going to put up 5,000 yards to the team I think this is a really good team overall yeah so we might see some more defensive games Kind of gives me a little bit of hesitancy with with Winston you know you you saw the amount of yards he had on Sunday (laughs) what if those five touchdowns I was was gonna say I
0: think it's the lack of yards he had (laughs)
1: Right,
0: or what if those
1: touchdowns were one, and Alvin yep. Kamara walks away with three touchdowns? Yep, not outside the realm of possibility. So, um, I think New Orleans is legitimate.
0: Uh, next game, we've got Denver and the Giants, and this one, this is another one that makes me cry. Um, I was, this was going to be my victory lap. Um, was Jerry Judy's ascension? Me too. Ah, uh, he looked so good. Okay. So, so good. Um and then yeah, just freak accident. Um nasty looking ankle injury. Seems like he's actually escaped some, you know, some of the more serious injury. So we'll just have to wait on Jerry. Uh he'll uh I'm sure he'll be back and I, I'm just excited to see what he can do once he's fully healthy again.
1: Agreed. Are you aggressively going to fight um uh, in Dynasty in a vacuum, regardless of your team as a contender? or if your team is in rebuild mode?
0: Um. Yes. Yes, I am. I have uh, already acquired him twice already this week. So, I, think, I think it's the move. Yeah, I mean, I, so I will admit the first time I bought him, uh, it was definitely a rebuilding team. And, we, you know, I, at that point I was thinking he might be out for the season. Um. Okay. So, you know, it was one of those, you know, I'll take the zero and uh, just have him back for next year. And now i'm you know now we're seeing maybe he's back in six weeks which would be even better so yeah i mean
1: just based off of history alone with this really serious high ankle friend i don't expect him to hit the ground running there's going to be a recover period i don't know if he's going to be much of an impact to a fantasy starting lineup maybe until the playoffs, if even um but regardless i highly recommend Go we'll inquire about Jerry Judy. Yep. If you're yeah, if getting- you great players like this,
0: you you don't get the discount on very often. So you, no. you just you have to take advantage. He's a receiver. Absolutely. He's going to have a longer career than than other positions for the most part. Uh, he's young, so even if it doesn't work out this year, we were already seeing the ascension in the first half. We. Uh, okay, so then we uh, then we had this laugher. Uh, Chicago at the Rams opening up SoFi. Uh, anything you got taken away from there?
1: Yeah, I, ooh, I mean, it's unbelievable just the differences offense night and day between a golf led McVay offense and a Stafford-led McVay offense. If you have Tup, Woods, Van Jefferson, take a victory lap. Take a victory lap. Seriously, they're they're going to all be fantastic. I had a little bit of concern about what Robert Woods' usage. Um, I didn't see him on the field as much as I'd like to as a, a Robert Woods prufer here. Um, but there is going to be a ton of passing volume. Matt Stafford looked elite. The player I forgot to mention was Tyler Higby. Especially given his contract situation, I think he's a dynasty five. He might be a little hard to buy right now after what was a solid performance, but I think his floor is stable. I think his ceiling is massive. So you could see a couple touchdown weeks out of Tyler Higbee.
0: Yep. Yeah, just, I mean, harken back. Look at look at the last time when he uh, didn't have, uh, what was it, Gerald Everett that he was sharing right. time with. Uh, he had that, yeah. that stretch of like five games at the end two seasons ago. <laughs> it was sick. Like, it, was, it was sick, yeah. Tight ends don't, I don't put know up if, those numbers. No,
1: they don't. I don't know we're ever going to get back to that level. I mean, I, I don't know if that's important. To well, I, I mean, I,
0: TJ Hawkinson will. But, <laughs> uh, okay, we, we got one more game here. Uh, we'll wrap up the, the week one in review. Baltimore versus Las Vegas. Quite the ending to that one. Uh, what did you see during the game?
1: I, uh, I can't believe it. Uh, if you just were to watch just clips of plays, you would have just come away A- and not known anything about scoring. You would have come away and said, The Ravens dismantled. But they didn't. The Raiders won't. Darren Waller was seeing looks when you had receivers open. You had Henry Ruggs open or Brian Edwards. And you could have dumped the ball down to Kenyon Drake, but they're just funneling the ball to Darren Waller. Um they gotta spark a little bit of creativity. This offense really kinda looks like it was cut right out of two thousand and three. If you're a Darren Waller manager, like that's fantastic. You're gonna see an unbelievable amount of volume for your tight end. But that offense it, it scares me outside of Waller. Um shocked that the Ravens weren't able to to pull that off. A couple mistakes. Um I do think that Raven absolutely are the superior team
0: yeah yep I, I'm with you I I was shocked when I saw that that game stayed close um, and that they were able to tie it and frankly I turned it off when I thought that uh, Brian Edwards had scored uh, right and then realized it was still going on 10 minutes later so flipped, turned it back on just in time to see Zay Jones you know running out the end zone with the ball celebrating We'll take a quick pause here wrap up part one of episode two then we'll get back in with part two on a separate episode. This has been the Dynasty Thought Experiment with the fantasy football philosopher. Remember, always take the thoughtful approach.